Stat Media Group, delivering logistics news since 1986. Hello everyone, I'm Bridgie John and this is Logistic Tech Dialogues presented by Kale Logistics Solutions. This is our new weekly dialogue on innovations and technologies that make logistics move faster and deliver better. Logistic Tech Dialogues is brought to you in partnership with Kale Logistics Solutions, a trusted global logistic IT solutions provider for several Fortune 500 companies worldwide. As airports come out of the pandemic and look to ensure long-term financial sustainability through the diversification of their revenue streams, cargo is an important area to be explored. A clear cargo strategy will help further airports' understanding of the current landscape and opportunities, as well as build a robust business plan for the future. With the rise of e-commerce and increasing demand for kip delivery times, cargo is increasingly becoming a way for airports to earn additional revenue, diversify their revenue streams, and bolster the local economy. Many airports in the world are now building new infrastructure, including digital infrastructure, to handle such increased demand for cargo processing. Air cargo is an engine of economic growth, and therefore airports are turning innovative and creating digital opportunities for their stakeholders to increase value to their customers. My guest today is Elliot Page, Director of Air Service Development at Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. Elliot joined Atlanta International Airport, one of the world's busiest and most efficient airports, after a successful career promoting trade and investment for over 25 years. He supervises the implementation of $6 billion capital improvement program as it relates to the enhancement of service excellence to accommodate passenger and cargo growth for next 20 years. He leads a team to build consensus with other airport stakeholders on air service operating projects, planning and development of cargo facilities, and innovations like the first cargo community system among U.S. airports introduced in 2019. Elliot, welcome to Logistic Tech Dialogues, and it is such a pleasure to have you join us for this conversation. Uh, thank you for having me. This is, this is great. Elliot, what are your reflections about the pandemic? Let's start with the pandemic. We've been in it, in it for the last 18 months. Uh, and what do you see are its impact on businesses, particularly the freight industry, air freight industry? As we all know, the, the, the pandemic was devastating to the industry. And I won't dwell on that too much. I think there are enough content out there talking about how, how it decreased our output, um, how it impacted our trade. Um, I, I think I like to look about Look, look at what are the opportunities that it provided for us. Um, we were just you know, talking about uh, the fact that I, I work and my, my team and many of my colleagues, we work partly remotely and partly in the office. And that's, that's as a result of this new way of thinking that, um, that we can work from home given the technology that we have today. Uh, we all have a cell phone and a laptop, so we're all just, you know, moments away from solving any problem that occurs on the airport. And if we need to physically be there, we, we can easily come to the airport and solve it. Um, I, I think that, yes, the, the pandemic created quite a 
a challenge for, for the aviation industry, but it also forced us to start thinking of innovative ways to, to continue to operate in the next pandemic or in the next disaster, because another one will happen. It's just a matter of time and when and so forth. We hope it does not happen in the middle of this one, but, um, but it, it tells us that there are a lot of procedures, a lot of processes that uh, we weren't taking advantage of, a lot of technology that we weren't taking advantage of. And not, it's not new technology. A lot of it is old technology, but the, the, the freight industry and the logistics industry, there are aspects of it which are still set in its ways and wants to do things the old way. Uh, so it gives us an opportunity to modernize. Elliot, uh, do you agree to the fact that uh, organizations with a strong technology adoption and digitalization strategy had and continue to have an upper hand in dealing with the disruptions like the COVID pandemic and which continues to have its, its own disruptions all around the world? No, definitely. You know, you look at you look at the, the industries that did very well in during the pandemic. And these were primarily those focused on e-commerce, those with their own closed loop digital platforms, uh, those that had the procedures in place to make sure that their workers could come to work safely, but also had a lot of a lot of use of technology. So, uh, you know, these are the Alibabas and the Amazons of the world, the FedEx, DHL, and, and those companies that, that already had a platform set up, a digital platform. And it, it was great because we depended on them to, to move personal protection equipment. We depended on them to move vaccines, uh, to move, continue to move food and, and all the stuff that we need for trade uh, to continue to help us to survive and, and overcome this, this uh, global pandemic. So we, we realized that not only uh, were they important to continue to, to, to function, to help us to, to fight the virus and to help us to just continue to, to live on a regular basis, they, become, they became what we now call essential industries. And those, those components, those that had the technology, were using the technology, they continued to function. And in fact, uh, multiplied in the amount of business that they did. I mean, uh, according to IATA, um, e-commerce jumped 10 years in the first uh, nine months of 2020. So whereas we expected growth in 2024 to reach $4.4 trillion globally for, for, for revenue for, um, for e-commerce, it's now $4.8 billion by the end of this year. So we have this, so clearly uh, those who are using technology have done well. The others who depended on uh, passengers primarily for uh, their business, they, they suffered. And those that did not, did not have a high component of cargo as their revenue generation, uh, they also suffered. And we know who those are. What you did see, interestingly, was some airlines quickly pivoted and started to use their assets to move cargo because it was, you know, it was, it was valuable and they realized that it's, it's what could keep them afloat during the pandemic. What would be interesting to follow up and see is what happens after the pandemic, when things die down and passengers are traveling like normal again, will they suddenly abandon cargo or will they recognize that cargo is essential to their, their revenue bottom line? Uh, and this is primarily in the U.S., in, 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 in Asia and in, in Middle East and so forth, you know, cargo is sometimes 15, sometimes up to 20% of their revenue. Uh, I, was, I was speaking to a major carrier in the US and they were telling me they're about three to 5% of, of revenue for cargo. 
So it, it, it's a lot more valuable and we don't realize it. And I, I get it because we're a continental landmass and we can move everything by truck and we do. Um, but that push from consumers, you know, wanting instant gratification, the fact that all of us have one of these in our pockets these days, a computer, and we expect when we, when we press submit, it's connected to our banks, to our credit cards and all that, and we want instant gratification. I think that's what's going to push cargo uh, to be modernized. And I think that's what's happening now. Let's discuss the cargo business at your airport, and you play a very critical leadership role in developing this business uh, for the airport and uh, help to contribute to local economy in terms of trade and employment. Uh, what role do you think technology is playing to increase the airport's cargo competitiveness? It helps us to be more efficient. We, you know, I, I, I engage a lot with, for instance, the, the trucking community and um, the way we used to operate, and some of them still do operate this way, they would send a truck to the airport to, it's almost like a gambling game to, to, to determine whether or not there is cargo to pick up, how much it is, um, and there's just no information. So you, you, you fill a truck with fuel, you pay for that fuel, you pay for your driver, and they go, they spend eight hours, 10 hours a day, driving around, trying to pick up some cargo, and maybe the stroke of luck, they may get a full shipment, they may not, and then they return, and you have to pay all that cost for the day with very little return because you don't have full information. So with the use of technology, with the use of say a cargo community system, they can now, uh, they can determine what cargo is there, when it's when it arrived, um, how, much, how much of it has arrived, how many pieces, and they can pay everything on, on the, the, the platform to pay cargo. And um, they can ensure that once, once the driver goes to the airport, he's, he or she is actually picking up a cargo that they know is there and, and they're not wasting time. And therefore that truck can now go to multiple stops and actually reap a return rather than just guessing whether or not cargo is there. Uh, so, I mean, throughout the aviation industry, technology is gonna be what, what pushes us us forward or helps us to be more efficient. Even in the operation of our warehouses, you know, uh, labor is a big cry. I don't know about the rest of the world, but in the US, labor is a big cry in the logistics right now. We can't get labor laborers. We can't get people to work in warehouses. Um, and there's a big competition now, uh, everyone pushing up their, their, their wages in order to attract workers. And, um, you know, some of that can be solved through technology. Uh, there are a lot of things that people do. There's um, the possibility of automated using auto autonomous uh, ground vehicles. Uh, the technology is there, but we just need to have the mindset to implement it. A freight and logistics industry is not new. We, we've been trading for thousands and thousands of years uh, across different continents. Um, but while we have modernizing cog and, and passenger service, you know, we have kiosks that people can check in. You have, you can check in on your phone. Uh, you can, you can board aircraft without engaging with anyone. You, you have, a, you know, a facial recognition. We have all of those things on the passenger side and on the cargo side, we're not using the technology because, you know, freight forwarders, a lot of folks in the middle have been continuously making money for a number of years, but I think the incentives are now changing. Consumers want things instantly and, and B2B, whether it's B2B or B2C, uh, that's spilling over into how we produce. Uh, so even in manufacturing, it's becoming 
essential that you have full transparency of cargo coming in and out. So technology is the way to go. It's going to be the way of the future. Tell us some of the recent and important digitalization initiatives programs that you led at the airport uh, for the air cargo stakeholders. Uh, the main one is is on the cargo side is uh, the cargo community system or the airport cargo community system, what we call uh, Atlanta ACS. You know, we, we started off in 2018. No one has ever heard of the cargo community system in, in Atlanta or in the U.S. for that matter. Collaborated with uh, with Schiphol Airport and formed what what I call affectionately a trade corridor. <laughs> Essentially meaning that we set equal standards on both sides of the of the continent and we make our airports, the preferred airports, for moving specialized goods like pharmaceuticals, perishables, and so forth. And if you if you have the same standards, you you, you automatically attract cargo to move to both uh, across the Atlantic. So we realized that they had Skipple had cargo not, and we didn't have anything. So we, we visited them, we had discussions about their cargo knot, and then we, we had discussions with Calais about implementing a cargo community system here. So we started off really building awareness, teaching people about what this thing is about, and getting a few private sector early adapters, because we thought it's not enough for the government, you know, for just the government to, to implement it. We need the private sector to to, to to, to be incentivized to, to do this. And if you can show the private sector that you're providing savings in terms of money and time uh, and convenience, then using something as simple as technology is not big infrastructural changes, then, uh, then they'll, they'll adopt it. So we have, we had some early ad adapters, we implemented, we piloted it throughout 2019 from about February to November 2019. And in November, we launched uh, November 14th, to be exact, 2019, we launched uh, the first cargo community system in, in the Americas, I believe, for, for, for airports anyway. And, um, and then COVID happened <laughs> the, you know, a few months later. And that kind of slowed down our, our, the process of building awareness of this system. But we also realized that not only was it creating efficiencies in along the supply chain, just in terms of moving goods faster and creating greater transparency and, and, and reduced costs, but if you had less people, human interactions, uh, because you could do more things online, then you also reduce the possibility of contagion between folks sharing paper and sharing area bills and bill of laden and, and, and shaking hands in, in, uh, in customer service rooms. Um, you reduce the possibility of contagion. And these are our essential workers. We cannot have them getting ill and not working. Uh, so we need you know, our truckers to keep going, our freight our ground handlers to keep going, our airlines to keep going, because that's how we keep cities alive. And that's how we, we keep uh, protection from, from a, a, a global pandemic. No, I myself have heard uh, 
comments saying that uh, the North American airports do not have, they, they haven't heard about the cargo community system uh, and you became, or Atlanta airport became the first airport in the North American market to have the cargo community system. Uh, Elliot, to what extent do you believe that digital transformation of those kind should be actually uh, anchored by airport uh, because airport becomes the uh, the real estate custodian and uh, you work or you become a kind of uh, a guardian for the rest of the community stakeholders we are the anchor for it i mean atlanta airport and i'm kind of the the big spokesperson for uh for acs in Atlanta, to the point where we've influenced um, a variety of other airports, both in 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 US and Canada, to also ad adopt a cargo community system. Uh, a, a bunch of airports have called us and and you know asked, you know, what has been our experience? How have we implemented this? What are the different approaches we took? And and it's it's good because we're able to say how we did it and how we wish we did it you know, what would be the best way to do it? And, and, and I always tell airports that um, airports are the progressive and really want to grow in cargo, really want to be advanced, be ahead of the curve, that those airports, and they have the right leadership that, that thinks like that, um, that they should, um, the airport should be the anchor for it. The airport should be the one that mandates that every stakeholder is going to use uh, an ACS system. We didn't go that route because given the nature of, of Atlanta at the time, uh, it was best to do it through the private sector. But each leader in the cargo sector, each head of cargo in different airports, they know what their they know what their local politics is, they know what their local environment is. So they can determine whether or not it's better to push it by the private sector, the government, or a combination of the two. Um, I think that you know, a, a mandatory approach really helps to encourage all the stakeholders. People will follow. They'll they'll do once you make it a rule that this is what we do. And and you, but you you do have a system where those who are not part of that rule can still participate in the airport, but it might cost them more. So you may have a a, a tiered system where you say if you if you're part of an ACS then you can you can book a doctor you can uh book a warehouse you can make sure that your cargo is delivered within within 30 minutes and if you're not part of the acs system then you wait in atlanta's case we have the infrastructure we have a truck waiting area we call it truck pass where if there's an overflow of trucks coming to the to the airport and there's not enough space at the airport they can wait in this area until they get a signal on their phone telling them what door to go to uh to go and, and and transact their business so if they don't have if they're not part of the system then they have to wait they could wait for hours whereas if they are part of the system the acs then they can book it they can go at a precise time to pick up or deliver and then leave and they're in and out in you know 30 to 45 minutes you know, you are uh, actually setting, uh, raising your bar and uh, set, setting industry benchmark. Uh, to what extent uh, the efficiencies that are being brought about uh, by the cargo community system, uh, how can that be taken into the larger air cargo industry? How can you become a, a key player to transform uh, the digital transformation of the air cargo industry? I think it's happening kind of automatically anyone who's anyone who's in the, the logistics sector and who's paying attention would recognize and, and i keep going back to this um and i know it seems almost unrelated but it's 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 not even logistics 
and cargo, it's sociology. Today, because of technology, we as consumers expect instant gratification. We have a bunch of apps on our phone that, uh, you know, I give an example the other day, you know, I'm talking to someone about a book and while I'm talking to them about the book, I can look on my phone and find the book, download it. And before the conversation is finished, I have the book so that I can start reading it by the time I leave that conversation. That's instant gratification. That, that prior to the internet and prior to having technology, a computer in the palm of our hands, that wasn't possible. And because of that, because our mindset has changed that we expect, you know, same day delivery, we expect um, that we expect fast delivery. We in the industry have to adapt. And the only way to adapt is to use that same technology in order to help us to adapt, because that's the technology that's moving, that's making consumers think faster and expect instant gratification. That's the technology that's helping them to expect speed. That's, we must use that same technology in our business to help us to move faster. So we must have uh, integrated payment apps so that someone doesn't have to physically go to a location to pay a check. <laughs> and we still have checks in the US, for those of you who are listening internationally. Uh, to pay a check with, for, for a cargo shipment or to pay for a fee. All of that can be done on a, a digital platform now. You know, making reservations, having access to where exactly the flight is, all of that is, is possible today given the technology. So we, we have to use it. Uh, so I think that while I will, I will always talk about moving cargo to digital and being more efficient through digital, and I think a lot of other airports as well are starting to talk about that. But I think also if we pay attention to what the consumers want, what our end, what's the end of the, of the, the supply chain, what they want, then we recognize that we have no choice. <laughs> we have to move to that efficiency. There, there's some companies like Amazon, Alibaba, and you know, all those with online platforms that have already realized that. And they've realized it so much that they're purchasing aircrafts and they they have their own vans. Amazon have their own vans, their last mile delivery vans. They have their own aircrafts. They have their own platform. They, they're trying their best to control the entire supply chain to fulfill that instant gratification. So all of us have to do that. If we don't, the companies, companies like Amazon will suddenly start taking the business from the rest of us. You know, I want to come back to uh, something that you said about the digital uh, trade corridor that is between um, Amsterdam Schiphol <laughs> Airport and Atlanta Airport. Uh, basically, these are digital trade codes uh, setting up uh, because both of you have set very high standards and you want to maintain that high standards to move uh, important commodities. Uh, how do we replicate that and to have more airports connected to that, uh, that network of airports around the world? Uh, how can that be? Maybe an airport, a couple of airports in India, the moving goods to European uh, destinations in the airport or to directly to Atlanta, then connecting it to uh, intercontinental cargo flows into, into Latin America. How do we create more such a network of airports setting very high standards? It's, it's starting to happen already. Um, I mean, we, we're tapping India, by the way, for uh, a cargo community system, for, for a, a trade corridor. Um, so we are, we are commencing talks with Mumbai and, and, and with Delhi on, along those lines. Uh, I'm under a lot of pressure here from the Indian community in Atlanta for us to 
push for both a passenger and cargo flight. So they're my friends. And so I'm really, really trying to push that. And also with my friends in, in, in India. But, um, you know, I see uh, JFK doing it with, with, um, with London Heathrow. Miami's been doing it with Brussels, um, Houston with Brussels. So they, they're different. It's already starting this kind of network of airports. And it's it's really relationship building. Um, we don't believe that we know everything, and we believe that we can go to our colleagues, our peers, in other airports internationally, especially, and learn about how they're doing things. And we can also teach them how we do things, and for us to share the best of the ideas and put them together so that we can create more efficiencies. And, you know, that's what we've been doing. Admittedly, we've been slowed a bit by the pandemic because we're trying to figure out how do we continue to work and, and stay efficient uh, when we're losing revenue, when not a lot of planes are flying and passengers are scared to fly. But um, we're starting to get back to that where we we're you know, once people start traveling again, we start getting to conferences again, how can we continue to build those programs? Atlanta has what we call a, a sister airport program where we sign uh, an agreement with various strategic airports uh, that we feel uh, are great for our target markets. They're, they're airports that we target for both passenger and cargo. They're airports in cities that we think are high growth cities and can provide us at least connections to the region that they're located in. Um, so we, we've been working on those for, for a number of years. Um, you know, airports like Shanghai uh, presents an example for that. Paris, Charles de Gaulle. Um, we're, we're looking to sign one with uh, with 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 either Mumbai or Delhi. And we have a couple of other airports that we do that with. I strongly believe that future is not too far when we will have a community of cargo communities. We have smaller communities like between Brussels and Miami, between JFK and London Heathrow, and you have Atlanta and Schiphol. And you can connect all of these and then you are built, you're essentially building a super cargo community. And and I think I think this is you know I'm I'm from the old school of uh, World Trade Organization trade facilitation agreement negotiations. I was once a negotiator there, and I think back then uh, when everything else was very difficult in the Doha negotiations, the trade facilitation was one that advanced, and it eventually became an agreement in 2017. I think the reason it did is because we had the vision and dream at the time that. Uh, we needed to find ways to facilitate trade at, at different nodes, at airport nodes, at sea nodes, and we needed to work on our procedures and, 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 and use technology to make it easier to trade. And when we, when we, I was talking to a bunch of business people in Haiti the other day, and, you know, one of the questions was, how do we get into the big markets? And I'm saying, well, here you have the perfect opportunity because of e-commerce, you as a small producer, even if you're making one small specialized artisanal widget, you can now get into a global market with your product. You don't need to have big bulk and have big containers and, you know, and, and a lot of uh, complicated uh, trade procedures. But because of e-commerce, because of trade facilitation, even a small producer in Haiti or in any, any country can now uh, export and and tap into the global market and that's that's fantastic that's a fantastic dream fulfilled for for many of us um so 
you know, we're, we're, we're happy that to see that this kind of technology and this kind of airport to airport, and I'm sure seaports are also doing the same thing, this kind of collaboration in order to promote cross, uh, promote trade. Tell us about the, the new technologies that you're passionate about, because uh, uh, you did make a mention earlier in the conversation that there were a lot of technologies that were actually there in the, in the air cargo industry. A lot of the stakeholders did not really tap into it or use it. Uh, but there are a lot of other technologies that is coming forward, like you have robotics, uh, artificial intelligence. Are there something that you're really passionate about and you think that they will help uh, air cargo industry to deliver better, lower cost, and always be sustainable? Well, you mentioned one of them, artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, if if we have uh, artificial intelligence that's able to monitor how we do business and able to offer us, you know, offer the truckers better, better routes to collect their cargo, um, offer better times for pickup and, you know, help us as the airport to be more efficient in our operations. You know, right now we, it's okay. We don't have, we have a lot of demand, but we don't have that much demand that we can't still pull out a spreadsheet and put in when aircrafts should land. But there may be a point when we have another thing I'm excited about drones. And when we start having, I know some folks in the industry who are making dr cargo drones, for instance, when we start having drones being part of the airspace around airports, then I don't think we can any longer be, be able to, to put a spreadsheet and try to decide on where, who lands where and, and when and who parks where. We're going to need artificial intelligence to help us with some of that. And that's great because some of that artificial intelligence will be speaking to the drones and kind of offering the best times to land the most efficient times to to be on the ground versus in the air so you know i'm excited about those kinds of technologies both you know drones uh autonomous drones drones that are able to integrate with 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 artificial intelligence of say an acs uh trucking community that's able to integrate with that you know i'm, I'm also interested to see how do we enhance our our labor supply um you know i, I was fascinated to see in in Schiphol airport uh some of the agents with gloves with scanners on their fingers and you know these were what i consider enhanced people we enhance our efficiency by having the technology as strapped onto us and they can then you know scan and move cargo a lot faster without having to hand hold something or getting carpal tunnel or something of the sort. I'm excited about, you know, autonomous ground vehicles. Um, you know, we have, Atlanta gets very hot. And, yes, and these are for practical reasons. Atlanta gets very hot in the summer. We call ourselves Hotlanta in the summer. And what we, what I understand from some of our ground handlers that we hire excessive, excess staff in the winter and, and spring. Because in the summer, a lot of them, they, they can't take the heat. They, they quit. Uh, when we have the ramp gets to maybe, you know, in the 40s, 40 degrees Celsius in the summer, it's it's not conditions that's great to work work in. So why don't we have uh, AGVs moving cargo uh, off aircrafts to the warehouse? Um, we can have more of that so that we don't expose uh, expose people to that kind of uh, harsh environment. Uh, similarly, in the warehouses, we need to retrofit our warehouses so that they 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 are much more comfortable places to work. You know, 
there's still instances where we build these hot boxes and in the uh, in the winter they in the winter they're too cold in the summer they become ovens so there are things you can do insulation and and certain uh, ventilation technology that you can do to make the place a lot more comfortable to to work in uh so i you know i i the, the technology should think about it's the people and and efficiency and if you do that then you become a lot more sustainable you become a lot more attractive for for laborers but also for for the workers but also for the business people because if you if you're offering that efficiency you can guarantee that your car you don't have to wait uh you know too long to deliver it to deliver your cargo through the airport, then you become, you build that reputation and you become a natural attractor to, to the business. So I'm excited about, you know, artificial intelligence, drones, ACS, uh, online payment platforms for us to stop using checks uh, for, for any, any task that's repetitive uh, or, or that can be done by, by technology. Uh, let's do it. Because we, we can allocate the, the labor supply to do a lot more sophisticated things, uh, technical work, maintaining the, the conveyor belts, the sensors, the, the, the software, the hardware. And that's, that, all of that helps us to move the, the wage level up, up a notch. And so you're using higher skill labor. And that, that's been our challenge. We, we're an economy that's becoming more and more sophisticated more using more and more technology and we're not bringing all the labor supply up with that level we're only bringing some of them and those that are being left behind are being really left behind are being neglected and and then that dwells into a whole other realm of politics but i tend to connect everything so what are your mid to long-term vision to make air cargo easier smarter and faster for your customers and partners and this is specifically to the atlanta airport where you have the responsibility of developing cargo um, is a million tons um, cargo throughput uh, a big uh, goal that you have set it's actually uh, a million four hundred thousand uh it's a it's a big goal but it's not that big a goal if if we we're at 700,000 metric tons now and so if we built the right facilities we could we could get to 1.4 million so we did put out an, an RFP uh we do have a, a project to develop what we call a modern air cargo terminal um and we see that as something that's going to last for another 40 50 years it's it's and we are asking the proponents to look at you know, look at all these modern technologies and look at technology. Some of it, we don't know what it is yet. You know, in 1994, we didn't know that the internet would, would create so many different types of industries. So we need to, to be cognizant that technology is going to take us a lot further. So help us build a facility that's flexible, that can, that's adaptable to the new technology. Build, But in the meantime, we focus on efficiency. We focus on uh, protecting and caring for the people that work in the sector. And, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on making sure we create growth to the 1.4, maybe more, maybe less, but that number is not so, so much important to me as it is the efficiency. We have a lot of aerospace, automotive, pharmaceutical, um, you know, a variety of sectors around this region that we service. And for me, it's when they're happy with the with our service when the final consumer is getting the instant gratification that they're looking for 
through the companies that we service, that makes me happy. That's, that's my aim. So it's not so much we want to be 2 million metric tons of cargo. Uh, that'd be great, but it's more important that we're efficient and that we're servicing the people that we, we, we're, we're, we're fulfilling expectations and they in turn will come to us because and give us more business because we're fulfilling that expectation. So it's, it's really the, the, the core of it is about the business, it's about the people, it's about the final consumer. How are we contributing to the, to the, the, the needs and wants of the final consumer? Uh, I think that's, if we, we continue along those lines, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do well. Elliot, uh, thank you so much for talking to us uh, in this uh, episode of Logistic Tech Dialogues. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was Elliot Page, Director of Air Service Development at Hartsfield Jackson Atlanta International Airport. Join me next Thursday for a fresh and new episode of Logistic Tech Dialogues presented by Kale Logistics Solutions. Until next Thursday, take good care of yourself and be safe.